Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. So welcome, Lee Nicholas. You're from CarGurus. Thanks so much for joining us at Happy at Work. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, Laura. Good. So looking forward to this conversation. Maybe you can start by telling us a bit about your career journey and kind of what different um, kind of highlights of your career and how you've gotten to where you are now. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So um, I began my career in the advertising industry in Boston right after I graduated from undergrad. Um, And I spent a number of years at a variety of different firms in Boston before transitioning into a recruiter role. So I was recruiting for creative and marketing folks right out of um, my advertising stint. And it was during that time that I recognized I had a real passion for wanting to help people. So um, I was less about, you know, being driven by um, filling all the acquisitions that were on my desk and more about wanting to make sure that, you know, all of these people felt supported and, and had somewhere to go. So I recognized that there was actually probably um, some opportunity for me to, to somehow figure out where I could tap into that a little bit more. And so in um, 2014, I enrolled in the Coaches Training Institute, and I wound up getting my professional training certification. Um, And that was such a joy for me. I mean, I just found um, such a tremendous impact in the work that I felt like I was able to do, and I just couldn't get enough of it. I just wanted to do more and more. Um, And so at that time, there was someone in my network who was working at an international business school, HALT International Business School, as we all know. Um, And there was an opportunity to be a career coach over there. And that was a real anomaly for me. I mean, I had been in the business world for 15 years. I had never been in higher education, but it honestly felt like almost a passion project, if you will. I mean, to have the opportunity to coach and, you know, make impact on all of these students from literally all over the world. I couldn't have imagined um, a better opportunity. So I jumped at it um, and I spent a, a really great about five and a half years over at Halt as a career advisor, career coach. And then Toward the end of my time there, I was also um, co-developing the career curriculum on a global level for our uh, master level students and really loved the work. Um, But obviously, I'm not there anymore. So what led to that? I mean, I think, you know, as I said, I had been in business for 15 years. And so going into higher education was so rewarding in so many ways. But I did find that there was parts of the business world that I was just missing um, and here I was coaching, you know, all of these students on these different types of companies. And, and I was like, you know, I, I miss that. I miss that world. I feel like um, it might be a little bit of a better fit for me. So um, the benefit, of course, of, uh, you know, being a career advisor to master level students is you have to have your finger on the pulse of the market. So I was fortunate to know um, of a number of different companies that that interested me personally. So I did know of CarGurus. Um, had some uh, friends who had worked there as well and and a few who were still there. Um, and so I started having some conversations with them and um, recognized that it was a, seemed like a pretty good mutual fit. 
and I transitioned um, out of higher education um, and over to Cargoovers in uh, June 2021, where I'm yeah. now in the L&D department over there. Oh, yeah. gotcha. That's kind of funny about um, talking to students all day long about all these career options. They're like, huh? I yeah. know. Like, right? Just with that desk mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Yeah. Totally. So, so t- say more about what Karu, Karu, Cargurus <laughs> does. Um, and specifically, like, what are, what you do there and what kind yeah. of work Absolutely. So Cargoers was founded in 2006 by Langley Steinert, who was the co-founder of TripAdvisor. And essentially it began as a car listings and lead gen business. Um, And it has since transformed into now it's a transaction enabled site where basically you can go to shop, buy and sell your car. So um, as somebody who did not know a lot about (laughs) cars, to be totally frank, before I joined, I'm still learning, but uh, that that learning curve is getting smaller. Um, You know, I've, I've learned so much about it, but even so, even before I understood a lot about cars, it was still really an interesting organization for me to join because buying a car is one of the biggest purchases that any of us are going to make in our life. I think it's the top three, right? And so um, CarGurus has 29.5 million people visit the site each month. And so for me, even not really understanding a lot about cars when I was initially speaking to them, to be able to be a part of a company that is helping people make one of these huge, you know, purchases in their lifetime and be able to, you know, guide them along the way felt pretty cool. So um, that's what they do as a company. And my role specifically within the organization, I'm a senior learning partner on the learning and development team. We call it L&D at CarGurus. And we're under the umbrella of people and talent. Um, And essentially my job is to um, help folks feel equipped and enabled to do their job so that they can be, you know, providing the best output that they can um, be feeling supported, um, all of the above. So I oftentimes work as an internal learning consultant to the business. So kind of understanding where people are feeling as though um, their teams may need some additional support and then working to provide learning solutions in order to try to close that gap. Um, And we do that in a variety of ways. I mean, we have every um, employee at CarGurus actually has a subscription to LinkedIn Learning, which is pretty amazing. Um, My team and I are in charge of, you know, curating some of that content, just making sure that it's, you know, as relevant as it can be for our learners. Uh, We'll also sometimes partner with third-party vendors. So if we have, you know, a very specific need um, within the organization. Uh, You know, recently, for instance, I um, worked with a a wonderful partner on some uh, sales trainings for managers, and I wanted somebody who came with a sales background. So, you know, we'll sometimes partner out with third party, um, or we will sometimes design and uh, deliver the program curriculum ourselves, which is my favorite part of the job, if I'm being totally honest. Right. I bet that's so fun. One of the areas that I know that you've been really vocal about is this idea of redesigning your job. And I have so much like passion for that idea because it feels like in HR, we never talk about that. And when I first started in my career, um, it was many, many years ago as an organizational psychologist, one of the main things that I used to do was job analysis, like looking at jobs, really trying to understand what is required for the jobs, but what the job looks like and how each individual job fit into this bigger system. And it feels like we just don't do that anymore. We really don't think about the design of a job that's 
meaningful and achievable, doable. It just feels like we just kind of glom together. Like we have this traditional, you know, definition of what a job is. And then we glom a whole bunch of other stuff on top of it. Right. In fact, I'll just share one real quick. Um, I just did a research study that was talking about the primary stressors of work. And I was really surprised to see that the number one stressor across the the big, large number of participants, over 5,000 participants we had was too much work, you know, that we're, that we're just have too much on our plates, which I get and makes sense, but makes me go back to what we're going to talk about is this idea of, wait, how are we even thinking about a job? Right. So I'd love for you to share your thoughts on, this idea of redesigning your job. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for bringing it up. I think it's it's certainly a topic that I'm super passionate about because to your point, I don't think many people not even take the time to do it. I don't think people recognize they have the ability to do it. And so I'm, I'm a big, if I can blaze that path for one person listening and feeling inspired to do so, you know, that makes me happy. I mean, I think where I initially started really talking about this idea as a concept is, you know, when I think back to my 22-year career now, I, I would say probably the most rewarding work that I've done um, has been in some way a result of raising my hand, kind of speaking up and saying, you know, I'm super interested in that, whether it be a stretch project or um, whether it be just wanting to upskill myself in an area that, um, you know, I I felt like I was kind of lagging a little bit. And I think that to your point, I think a lot of times people aren't even First of all, taking the time, because maybe they feel like they don't have the time, but taking the time to slow down, be intentional about what is it that really sparks joy for me? What really makes me happy? And from there, if you're able to then create a business case for this thing that brings you joy and you know that you can provide value in a way that is ultimately going to affect the bottom line, what leader wouldn't want to hear that proposal? And so when I look back, there's a specific example. I was working, um, it was when I was a recruiter um, in that part of my career, I was working for um, a fantastic firm who had, um, you know, leaders who were very open, I will say that, and very supportive of their employees. So, you know, that, that certainly does go a long way. But this was the part when I was saying to you at the beginning, I was a recruiter and recognized, wait a minute, I more want to help people. I more want to be coaching. And so at the time that firm was kind of um, beginning this new branch um, to their business, which was all around kind of leadership development and things like that. And here I was, you know, hired to be a recruiter and I'm sitting there. I felt like I had this, you know, spotlight on me that was like, Lee doesn't want to do this job. You know, I felt like I really need to raise my hand and say, you know, I'm really interested in this other thing. And I know that there are business needs for this first thing, and I am totally willing to figure out a way to somehow keep handling those business needs. But gosh, what can I do to raise my hand and get more involved in this other area? And so I was really fortunate that, again, I had a leadership team who supported me and was heard my business case out and and thought, yeah, maybe that does make sense. You know, Lee, how would that look? If you were to redesign kind of this job, what would that look like? And so ultimately what happened was I wound up straddling a couple different positions for a period of time until I moved on fully into a coach and facilitator function within the organization. And none of that would have happened had I not raised my hand and considered 
what can I do to redesign this, this role? And I think the reason that I'm so passionate about it, and I want like everybody to be listening to this piece, is that I think so much great work can be left on the table if we are not willing to have those conversations. Um, and so I just would, you know, I, I'm such a big advocate of what is it that sparks your joy? And is there, could there be a, a you know, a business case for you bringing more to that, to your current role? And if so, what would that look like? But, you know, in order to do that, you have to be willing to take a risk, you know, because obviously when we raise our hand and have that type of conversation, it might not always go in our favor. Um, and the other thing though, is you have to have the psychological safety yeah. to be able to, to, you know, raise your hand and speak to leadership about that. So I kind of look at it that it's a, um, it's kind of on both the employee as well as the company. It's on the employee to be accountable, to know what they want, to have the courage. And then it's on the organization to create you know, a, a um, environment that is psychologically safe enough where employees can have these types of candid conversations with their managers. Yeah, I love that so much. And there's so many, there's so, there are some important things that have to be in place in order for that to happen, right? I mean, the psychological safety, not everybody has that, and unfortunately. So I completely hear you. But I think it's like having this, there's like an optimism in that too, of like seeing possibilities, right? Seeing that, something could be possible for you. And I think that's so interesting how, you know, some people have that kind of optimism and see possibilities and some people don't. And I do think you can, you can help people with that and train people to see that, you know, it is possible for you to think, you know, outside of what's presented or what's current, you know, right now. Um, So there's, that's, I mean, so much of that is like positive psychology, right? Right. And so that is, a big part of what we do on this podcast is focus on positive psychology at work. So that's my kind of next question for you is in the work that you do, both with the idea of thinking about redesigning jobs, but also in the learning and development work, what are some of the ways that, you know, you think about positive psychology and and how to make work better? And I mean, even just the fact that you were using the word joy, right? <laughs> and thinking about that is, you know, a big part of it. But I love your thoughts on on, on how you apply positive psychology. Sure, absolutely. I mean, my job, you know, as a function is essentially to be enabling employees to be um, helping them with their roles um, and and all of that. So kind of a a byproduct of my position itself is just that it's it's hopefully making work better for people. But I think, you know, in addition to um, the the things that people would get out of our trainings, you know, more of those like skills and things like that, that they maybe ultimately were raising their hands and saying they needed help with. I think the other, frankly, beautiful thing that I've seen out of the work that I do here um, is is almost more important than I think what we initially set out to do. And, and that's really um, the communities that are built when people are in learning um, opportunities together. Um, you know, uh, that collaboration. And I think especially as we are still navigating this hybrid new normal, trying to figure out like people are yearning for connection. And I think, um, I, I think for me to be able to be in a training, I mean, it just happened. I, I just wrapped up five cohorts of a, of a program last week. And the most beautiful thing happened with one of my cohorts, you know, it was on zoom. So here we all are in our zoom boxes and we were doing kind of a closing circle at the end and just giving everybody opportunity to, to say anything that they wanted to, to say, to feel complete about the experience. And 
the whole cohort just kind of um, bonded together and made this commitment to continue learning together. And they decided that every month they were going to, you know, get back together and talk about the learnings over the last month that they've had so they can stay in community. And that for me, I'll tell you, like, I was just sitting back on mute thinking like, how beautiful is this? Cause I'm not doing anything here. This is just a byproduct of people being together in a learning environment where people feel safe um, and that I think brings back to your question, just, I think that's a lot of joy and positivity that my type of work can bring to an organization like Cargurus. That is, that's amazing. And I love hearing those stories. I think I've seen that a lot in, in employee resource groups where, oh, yeah. right, where you, you sort of set it up and you get it kicked off and then you start to see these beautiful things that start to happen with employees you know, offering advice to each other, supporting each other, um, that lands in such a better way than, you know, somebody who's running the session telling people how to do things, right? Um, yeah. Right. And, and and especially when people who are going through something very similar to what you're going through, I think there's so much to that. It's funny, right before this podcast, I was in a session um, with women in leadership roles and we were, ta- I was talking to some people who had, or had little kids and uh-huh. I um, now have older kids and I look back at that time and just, I'm like, I cannot believe the stuff I did, right? Like it was so hard and it was, um, I just, I'm so glad now, like my kids are old and older <laughs> and they made it through. And I, t- I just told that story to the people who were on the call and they were so like, <laughs> it was just, it was validating, right? That it's gonna be okay. Right. And I don't know, there was something so different going, you know, talking to people who've gone through something similar, right. Oh, sure. um, then just sort of reading it theoretically that, oh yeah, it's going to be okay. Well, you hear it from a real person who's gone through it. It's a whole different thing. It really is. And yeah. it feels that way too, to the learners and, and the people who are on the other side of that. Absolutely. Completely. completely. Well, we always like to talk about um, with our guests, the kind of intersection between the stuff that we talk about at work and who, you know, the kinds of things we put forward at work and who we are personally. And so I was curious about the stuff that you work on during the day. How does that carry over to your own, your personal life or your personal life philosophy? How are those things, you know, integrated? Integrate. I love that question so much thinking about personal life philosophy. I mean, I think um, for me, when I think about that, because first it's like, wow, what, what is that? Right. I'm being intentional about, um, considering what my personal life philosophy is. And, you know, there's this line that my father has said to me since I was a little girl, which I still hold very near and dear to my heart. He, um, I look up to him for many, many reasons. He, uh, started his own business when my brother and I were, were very young and, um, was very successful. And, in uh in his company i'd like to say he's retired now but i think he's still uh <laughs> hitting cleanup sometimes but anyway one of the things that he said to me that's so simple but it's when in doubt default to the truth and isn't that amazing i love it and here's why and i think about that so it's so the first thing is when i think about how that's like lee in life and then lee at work number one it's operating from integrity right so it's yes. i'm gonna do what i say i'm i'm gonna do you know my word is my word and then i think when i think about how that shows up for me just at work it's in a number of ways when i think about our learners first of all 
um, it takes the pressure off. I, I don't know if, if that resonated with you, but yeah. as soon as I say that line and I sometimes have to remind myself of it, it's like my shoulders immediately go down because it's actually quite simple. At the end of the day, if that's all I have to do is default to the truth, then how wonderful is that? I don't have to be spending all this energy trying to pretend I know everything or that I'm going to say the right thing. And so how I think that can show up at work sometimes, especially working at a place like CarGurus, where we're very supported in terms of innovation. And, you know, I'm not afraid to fail fast. I'm not afraid to say to someone, I may not know if this is actually going to work, but I think it is, and I'd love to pilot it, right? And so, and if it doesn't work, okay, so we're defaulting to the truth, we're moving on, right? And then I think when I think of my role as a facilitator within the organization, when I'm leading programs, um, you know, I think that will come across in a way that my hope would be anyway, um, that type of vulnerability to be able to say to my learners, I don't know everything necessarily, like we're in this experience together, I'd like to believe that that then breeds, you know, trust because there's a level of authenticity there. I think when people are being vulnerable, um, that's extremely important. And when people are feeling trusting in an environment, they're feeling safe. There's a brave place where they can be doing their best learning. So I think all of that kind of ties together in a in a pretty beautiful way. And uh, that's a nod to my dad. <laughs> oh, that is so, I mean, the minute you said that, I wrote it down, right? I feel like I'm going to write it and put it on sticky by my computer because you're right. It does. It takes the pressure off you when you know that you can just just tell the truth, right? That I maybe I don't know the answer right. to, this, to this question or maybe I haven't figured it all out. There is, it's, it is really good. And like, yeah. and you also said the integrity piece to that too. So I love that. That's a great one. Good job, dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a good one too. And I would also say just back to that joy piece, I think it's connected to joy as well, because I'm not spending anxious energy worried about trying to show up in a certain way. You know, I'm showing up authentically and that in itself then, you know, brings joy. Oh, completely. That anxious energy and that kind of putting all of the stuff on that you think you're supposed to put on, right? Like all yeah. these ways you you think you're supposed to be um, right. that creates so much added pressure and so much just unnecessary time and effort and distraction of being something you aren't right. And who it's just, I mean, we've done it. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's been so many times in my career where I felt like I had to be something that I really wasn't. And so, yeah, it is, it's really cool for, to hear you say that and to think about that. And if we could just do more of that, right. It would take a lot of pressure off, you know, get rid of a lot of wasted time and it would just be, we'd be so much more real to each other and to ourselves. Sure. And then think of where we could be spending that energy, yes. you know, <laughs> I mean, that's where the magic is. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Completely. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I love it. I feel like we could keep going, but do you, are any kind of wrap up, you know, words of wisdom or thoughts you'd like to leave us with? You know, I'd love to leave you with a thought because I was thinking about this, that a, a wonderful mentor said to me once. And I think just along the lines of everything we're talking about today, you know, um, bringing joy to your work and um, being accountable to to stand up for that joy and all of those things. I once had a, a mentor say to me that oftentimes we will go through life thinking I 
have to have this thing. So I, you know, say I have to have a title and then I'm going to do all the things and then I'm going to be seen as a leader. And she said to me, you know, turn that on its ear and actually, why don't you reverse it and go out in life like be, do, have. So mm-hmm. instead of I have to have the thing before I start acting in a certain way that is ultimately going to yield results I want. Every single one of us has an opportunity every day to show up the way that we want to show up. So if you want to be later leader, you know, wake up and make a conscious, intentional decision to go and be leader, you know, do those things that are connected to you being leader. And then ultimately you will have whatever that thing is that you want, whether it's the title, whether it's the stretch project, new role, et cetera. So that's what I would love to leave people with. Oh, I love that. Another thing I want to put on a sticky by my computer. That's so good. Right. And and then, you know, you if you just start with the being who you want to be now and maybe that stuff will follow. But if it, if it doesn't, you're still being that right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that yeah. then brings joy. Right. Yes, yeah. completely. Yeah. Lee, this has been so good. Thank you so much for your time today and all your just great ideas and insights. It's just so grateful for you to, to join us. Thank you, Laura. I had so much fun. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts. Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon.